It's 12 Enough. Season 12, Episode 1C, The Scripture Edition. With your host, Jonathan Malone, and guest host, Adam Erickson. 12 Enough is a podcast of Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your host, Jonathan Malone, is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Adam Erickson is the pastor of the Clackamas United Church of Christ in Wisconsin? No, Milwaukee, Oregon. I got it right. This podcast is brought to you by the Single Sock Preservation Society. Don't throw away those single socks. Save the socks. Who will speak for the socks? The Society for the Single Sock Preservation. Wait, the Single Sock Preservation Society. Yes, that's who we are. We'll save those socks. And Milwaukee. Because, you know, Milwaukee. And we're back. Okay. It's, it would be really helpful if I knew how to say it, the sponsors. The Single Sock Preservation Society is the Society for the Single Sock Preservation. You know what the problem is? They have two different logos on their letterhead. I mean, the envelope has one, and the letterhead has a different one. And I was looking at one, and then I looked at the other, and it completely confused me. And that's why I gave two names for my sponsors. It's not because I'm unprofessional. I really know what I'm doing. It's their fault. Let's be clear about that. But, you know, good group, trying to save socks. Yeah, how many? How often do you feel like you just need to throw away that one single sock? Or you have it in your sock drawer holding on to that single sock because you know that maybe someday its mate will reemerge. Maybe someday its mate will reappear. We hope. We hold to that hope. It probably won't. Throw out the sock or make a puppet. Why not make a puppet? I don't know why the Single Sock Society Preservation, whatever, I don't know why they don't do puppets. Hmm. I'll write to them and ask. Anyways, uh, this episode, I had a really great conversation with Adam Erickson. Adam's been on a number of times. I always have a good time talking to Adam. He's a very smart young man. A lot to offer. Um, we talked about scripture, and we really looked at the Beatitudes. Well, when I say we really looked at it, we we scratched the surface. And that's because there's a lot going on in the Beatitudes. Uh, there's just so much. And so many people, much smarter than I, um, have written great works about it. But we thought, why not? Let's just take a crack at it anyways. So I hope you enjoyed this episode where Adam and I discuss scripture, specifically the Beatitudes as found in the Gospel of Matthew. Oh. Adam Erickson. Adam, how many times have you been on the show? At least three. This might be your fourth time. Third, fourth time? I was going to say three or four. Yeah. But I'm happy to be back. Yeah. And better than ever. Do you still have Rocking your punch card? Jonathan Malone. If you lost your punch card, then there's no t-shirt for you. You got to start I, over from scratch. I don't have my punch card. Yeah, there's no grace. No do, grace. Do I need 10 more now? Yeah, you got to start. <laughs> start out <laughs> over. <laughs> Adam Erickson, the pastor of Clackamas United Church of Christ. What state is that in? Is that Washington? Is that Oregon? It's in, it's in, it's in all the Oregon. Same? 
Evanston, Oregon, just a suburb outside of uh, Portland. Okay. So actually the church is called Clackamas United Church of Christ, but we are in the city of Milwaukee. So figure that one out. Which is not in Wisconsin. No. <laughs> we, uh, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, as you probably know, spells it. Which is a it, nice uh, city. With, it's a, I, it is a nice city. As I've a, been there before. I really like their airport. Nice uh, That's one river. Of my, one of my favorite airports is the Milwaukee airport, Milwaukee, it's, Wisconsin airport. You know, uh, Portland and Milwaukee have a lot in common. There's the river. We yep. both have excellent airports. The Portland airport has been ranked like number one for the last five years in a row or something. Wow. So, yeah. It's, yeah. We've By got, who? Is it Portland Times that ranks them? <clears throat> no, it's the airport <laughs> news. It's like, don't, don't get so defensive. That's okay. It's airport. I don't know. So you're at, you're at Clackamas United Church of Christ in Milwaukee, Oregon, and you are not a Ducks fan from what I remember, right? I'm not a Ducks fan. It's, what's the other school? Beavers? The Beavers. And yes. that's, that's Oregon State? Oregon State Beavers. Okay. Yeah, just yes. want to make sure we get it all out there. It is all because Jonathan, blessed are the meek. And the Beavers are always meek. I see what you just did there. You like that? That was nice. So yeah, this is our this is our scripture segment. Adam doesn't mess around. He's like, we've got something to I do. I'm on it, my friend. I've got work to do. It, you know, we don't have time for this podcast frivolity and foolishness. The Beavers are always like the worst team in college football. Like, nice. what, there are 125 teams in college football. The Beavers are always the meekest and thus the most blessed. And, and I, I want to say that in my time hiking, um, the Beavers are – there are many animals that I have animosity with. Chipmunks. Yes. I hate the chipmunks. Oh. Mice. Bears. I have respect but still don't like them. And beavers. Beavers I describe in the wilderness as the Republicans of nature. Ooh. Well, because they, they go in, they tear down trees, they build a dam, they rearrange the whole environment just for their own need, and then they leave. And they don't wow. bring it back to – now some – you know, I, I want to know this. Yeah. How, how does that preach at uh, your church? Beavers are the Republicans um, <laughs> of nature. Well, I haven't I haven't used it as a sermon illustration no? yet. Although there was a time when some be- a beaver was giving me some serious side eye, and mm. I started yelling at it. Then it started swimming right at me, and oh, I found wow. a stick and I was ready. And I yelled. I said, "Beaver, you come up on this beach. It is not going to end well for you or me." Oh my goodness! I was ready. and and it it obeyed your it it listened to you. I, or it just saw the threatening moves I was making with a stick, and it, I, I don't know. But it didn't. So happen. is that how we should deal with Republicans? Pick up <laughs> sticks and make threatening moves with them? <laughs> is that what you're telling me? This is the most political I think I've got. Republicans are wonderful people, and oh, fantastic! And and they have a lot of good interests of humanity in mind. They just come at it from a different vantage point than I do. Yes, we okay. are all trying for a greater good. Yes, right. Yes. yes, and there will be some hippy-dippy naturalists out there that say that what the beavers do to the wilderness is actually really good and it helps the ecosystem and blah, blah, blah. Yes. All I know is they poop in my water and make me sick. That's gross. That's what they do. Okay. <laughs> We're looking at – so go beavers? Go I beavers. Uh, there's no way. Do I you can... have any problems with ducks? Yeah, they're also nasty. Oh, really? <laughs> They also just poop everywhere without any regard for other people. Why do you go hiking? I love nature. Why do nature. you do this to yourself? 
I have a respect. I have a, what I call a, pragma, a pragmatic, realistic respect for nature. Okay. And it, it's, all, it's all based on the philosophy that nature wants to kill you. <laughs> and, and then you work from there. Fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. It's you sh- like you should a go- holy respect. Yeah, holy it is. Awe. Yeah, I see the chipmunk, and I know it wants to kill me. And as long as I understand that, then we have a good relationship. If it stays out of my stuff, I'm fine. But once it starts going in my stuff, I will kill it. Then it's a war of all against all, or yeah. Jonathan against nature, Yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Blessed are the peacemakers. <laughs> Blessed are the peacemakers, my friend. Okay, good. So we're good. looking at um, Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Which is the lectionary reading for January, February, February 2nd of 2020. I, I doubt I'll get this posted in time. But, you know, people can go back and, and criticize their pastor's sermons right. based, on, based on the wisdom we're about to impart. There you go. I like that idea. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I try. <laughs> Just helping the people, man. That's Just, it. I'm, 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 always, I'm all about the people. Yes. That's... <laughs> You know, this is a, this is a podcast for the masses. I like it. Yeah, Let's those who that. just listened to the episode with Curtis Freeman are saying, "I don't think it was." <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's yeah, it's a podcast for the people. That's my like tagline. So, Adam, you're preaching on this text. Yes, sir. I'm preaching on this text. Uh, do you want to read it? Sure. Okay. What version do you have? Uh, the only God-ordained version that there is, the NRSV. NRSV. God bless you. Good. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. Go ahead. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wow, nicely read. That is just like the most uplifting Bible passage I have ever read. Yes, yeah, I really, mean, yeah, I put this right next be, to uh, Lamentations as right? uplifting yes. passages. <laughs> I mean, be happy, Jonathan, because people are going to come after you and try to kill you. <sighs> I should be so lucky, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's it. This is it, it. It's it's kind of daunting for us to even talk about this passage because I feel like it's been looked at by a lot of people who are probably far smarter than I. Yeah. Maybe you, I won't presume. I no. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. That's good. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. You didn't jump. It's like, no, no, definitely me. You're no, like, no, oh, well, no. let's see. It's, it's, yeah, you might be right on that one, Jonathan. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Erickson, smartest pastor ever. Uh-huh. Yeah, thank you. Where's the humble oh, one? Humble in there, merciful. Uh-huh. Right? Um, yeah. So I've actually been doing some other reading on this beyond, you know, when I 
prep for a sermon. I have my yep. usual, I go to my commentaries, um, and then I see what did Will Willimon preach about this, and that's basically what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Solid been, choice. Yeah, right? You know, either Can't him go or, wrong with Will. Yeah, I would do Craddock, but there's just too many stories that don't relate to me. And if I, you know, my congregation will catch on, like, you weren't around. <laughs> that's not you. Um, but I've done doing a little more research, and I want to um, reference at least two books. There's a couple of books that are really good, but at least Kingdom Ethics by Stanson and Gushy, uh, Glenn Stanson and David Gushy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really great book. And also Sermon on the Mount by Clarence Jordan or, or Jurgen, depending on how you pronounce it. Okay. Um, both really, really good books that look into this and more. So, and this is just the beginning of a sermon, right? I mean, I think this sermon goes on for a couple of chapters. Yeah, boy. <clears throat> Clearly, Jesus wasn't Catholic. You know, my if my if I were there, I'd be falling asleep. <laughs> it's a little long. I think I think the Pope said, "Hey, we got to keep it to ten to twelve minutes." Yeah, we've These still got to do Eucharist. We yes. don't have time for all this long preaching. Yes. At least have a PowerPoint presentation or something, or, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so what do, what do those books say about this this passage? Um, it does – I mean I think a lot of it what it's talking about is the idea of citizenship or belonging to uh, dominion of God mm-hmm. or – However, whatever metaphor you use, um, I know kingdom has is problematic. Dominion is better than kingdom? Um, I've seen some decent arguments. I'm still searching for a term, a, a term that, that works for me. What do you use? I use kingdom. You just use kingdom? Yeah. There's some, been some people who want me to use kingdom. Right. Linguistically, and- that gets cumbersome. Yeah, I just can't do it. Yeah. Let's just, just unpack the, the part of the reason just for our listeners that it's a, it's an important conversation to have is because the idea of kingdom carries a lot of patriarchy uh, and just male dominance. And, yes. Um, and just as, as we're starting to become aware of the dangers of that, finding other terminology to talk about being within God's presence may be helpful for many people. Um, it may actually open up options or possibilities. So that's why we wrestle with how do we even talk about kingdom of God, dominion of God, those kinds of things. How about realm? realm I've heard realm. I, I, in, when I'm talking colloquially, I use realm of God. Okay. <clears throat> uh, but I think, I think what Jesus is doing with kingdom, mm-hmm. it, it was a problem for him in his day, and he's transforming our understanding of what the kingdom of God is all about, which is what he's doing in these beatitudes. Yes. So all of our issues with kingdom are excellent, important issues to do, but Jesus is subverting all of those problems that we already, that we have with kingdom because he's got those same problems too. Right. Without the, yes, yes. And and I think you're right. Subverting a reversal. I mean, these are, uh, you know, it's laying out this idea that is, is, contrary to culture. Yes. Some may describe him as countercultural. Yes. So in what kingdom are the poor blessed? Certainly right. not in the United States, certainly not in the kingdom of Rome or the kingdom of Herod. Right. 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 So that's what Jesus, his whole project is 
transforming, subverting, whatever our understanding of what kingdom is. And maybe, maybe that's worth uh, reclaiming what Jesus is doing with it. Or maybe it's just worth getting rid of the whole word because it's, it's like, uh, um, evangelical, right? Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> like I know, it's I know. too, it's, it's just too loaded a, a yeah. term and maybe we should just stop using the word evangelical. Yeah. So I, I, I still, I mean, because it's in the Bible so much, I will still use the word kingdom. Yep. Um, but I still, but when preaching, I, I it, it's something that I wrestle with and I haven't found a good answer yet for me. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I, I like that. So this idea of reversal, the idea of being blessed, you know, let's get the picture first. So Jesus goes up to the mountain, and he sits down. His disciples come to him, and then he's kind of teaching. And you do get the sense of him saying, let me try to tell you what I'm all about. Mm-hmm. That's, and I, that might be one at, way of looking at the Sermon of the Mount. And the Sermon of the Mount goes on for longer than just this section. These are just the Beatitudes. Um, and that word blessed, I saw another translation that said it could also be read as fortunate. Yes. Um Eugene Boring uh, says it could be translated. Yeah, go ahead. It could be translated as privileged. Yeah, Eugene Boring, who has the least fortunate last name. Uh, That's a bummer. (laughs) Really, Professor Boring. Yes. Um, (laughs) I'm sure that's a joke he's never heard before. Um, Uh, So privileged, yeah. So to be saying fortunate and privileged are the poor. um, or So in Matthew it says poor in spirit. Right? In Luke, it just says poor. I was reading another commentary that says it should be read as both. That one it, doesn't favor the other. It's interesting because our dear friend, Professor Boring, says the exact same thing. Huh. <laughs> so there are people who say that Matthew spiritualizes right. what Luke has said. Uh, and I used to be like, I just wish that Matthew didn't spiritualize it because um, I just resist this temptation to overly spiritualize Christianity. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, well, you've because, been known as a couple of things. One is a Matthew hater. And yes. And the other one is someone who just doesn't like spirituality at all. Well, well, here's, here's, the, here's the issue and the, and the danger with uh, the Beatitudes in Matthew is that there is a tendency to say this is just all about what happens after you die. Right. Right. So blessed are the poor in spirit now, because later when you die, you're going to go to the kingdom of heaven and everything is going to be good for you. Right. Right. So whenever you're preaching on this, you have to resist that temptation, because what has Jesus done at the end of chapter four? He's literally gone out to the poor and the weak and those who are sick. And it says he healed everyone in those towns. You think he healed everyone? Yeah. Yes, I think he did. I don't know. Like maybe there's like one person or two people that were just like, nope, not going to do it. I know, right? I'm not even going to accept your healing. I'm going to do this on my own. I can make I, this. This work. is what is so crucial. Is Jesus? It says Jesus went throughout the Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. And so this is like when you over spiritualize things. What I mean by that is right. is that you is that uh, you you kind of think, oh, the the body doesn't really matter now because later on it's all going to be good and you're going to be healed. But Jesus is concerned about the here and now. He's concerned about the physical body of people uh, now, <laughs> right? <so laughs> Not just say, the spirituality of it. So that's why it's so important what you just brought up because Matthew is concerned 
not just about the spiritual matters, but about the physical matters too. And he brings them together. So Eugene Boring says that when he's, when Matthew says, blessed are the poor in spirit, he's saying, blessed are those who are, uh, poor, literally like financially poor. And also blessed are those who are what, uh, humble, uh, in spirit. Humble is the other word that people use to describe poor in spirit. Um, yeah. which, but but humble also comes up a little bit later with meek and merciful. So yes. there's a lot of humility, apparently, with this whole Jesus thing. I know, right? I'm glad we took care of that problem. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no more humility for us. We won. Uh, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It does say, yeah. yeah, blessed are the victors. No, yeah. um, yeah, so I, and I think it's it's helpful to think of it as fortunate or privileged are the poor, uh, because right there we have this dissonance when we compare it with the views of the world. Yes, you know it it it's you wouldn't think if you go to like a soup kitchen, you know, and you're you're serving people and you say, boy, aren't you really fortunate to be in a situation where you have to rely on others just to be able to have a meal. Aren't you fortunate? That's, it doesn't sound right. It's not a nice thing to say. But you will be blessed when you go there. I've had the great fortune of taking, when I was a youth pastor, of taking uh, my youth group to uh, soup kitchens. Mm -hmm. And we used to just go in there and make dinner and then pass it out to the people who, who came and then we would move on. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't sitting well with me. This isn't quite right. So we would make dinner and then we would sit with the folks there and talk with them about their lives and their past and what's been going on. And those were like some of the most powerful conversations that happened in those, in in my group. We have to be careful. Yes. I, I completely agree. Um, we have to be careful that we don't fall into that um, privileged white liberal position. Yeah. That we often, I, I guess, you know, um, college administrators or admission officers hate a very particular kind of college essay. And I've heard this. This was I got from This American Life from years and years ago. And the one thing they hate, and this is for listeners who are applying to college, this is some golden advice Pay attention. here. Pay, yeah, yes. listen to this. They hate it when you talk about when you went on a mission trip and then uh, returned from the mission trip and said, and I found I was changed more than they were or something yes. like that. Yes. Uh, and, and I think that does capture this idea. I don't hear you saying that. Um, but there is this danger of saying, boy, when I'm able to sit and talk with the people who are struggling, just hear their stories, I'm really blessed. Because Jesus is saying, I, and I think that, that you are, I think there is a blessing that does happen in that interchange and interaction. But Jesus is saying the ones you're talking to are blessed. Yes. And, and so often we hear that, you know, I talk to them and I realize how much I have and how grateful I should be for all the blessings I have. Right. We don't leave saying, <clears throat> boy... I wish I was more like them. It, 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 I, and I think it, it's hard for me to say that, to say, boy, I wish I was more like, I wish I was in a place where I just wasn't sure how I was going to pay for my kids' medication. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, yeah, that, it doesn't make sense. 
and and I and the the allure to just let's spiritualize it because otherwise it just feels wrong. Yep, um, is really there. I I think if we just say blessed are the poor or the poor in spirit and not read the second part, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, um, then it really doesn't make sense. But if you say for theirs in the is the kingdom of heaven, now I think it starts to open it up a little bit. With, a, with more dangers. The dangers would be kind of what you were saying before. Like, oh, I know you're hungry now, but when you die, you're going to be with God, and it's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. So just get through these next 50, 60 years, and you're going to be good. Yes. Right? That's not good either. Um, it, it, it does, but, you know, but instead to say, they, um, there's more opportunity for them not just to be in, but to claim possession of the kingdom of heaven, possession of the presence of God in here and now, than for those of us who are privileged. Yes. Uh, yes. And like, it's the, it's the whole Jesus' project of where he goes right. in order to show us where the kingdom of heaven is, right? He goes to the, he goes to the poor, he goes to the sick, he goes to the marginalized, which is everywhere where I want to avoid, Right. Yeah. Right. And so in that sense, Jesus later on, I think it's in Matthew 23, 24, will compare, uh, will, will say cursed are those who are rich. Right. Right. So he doesn't do the curses now in, in the Sermon on the Mount. No, he's but just, he will I mean, do it. Yeah. People are just he getting to do, know him. Is this his yes. first sermon? <laughs> he's not going to just lay it all out there. You're going to, he's going to ease us into it. It's, yes. It's good preaching. Yes. And then later on, he's going to lay down the hammer on like me. Uh, And that's because I avoid the poor, the homeless as much as I can. Sure. And I think part of what he's doing is uh, trying to transform our relationships. I mean, it's not, you know, like as the early church moves along, the problem is that like in Corinth, the problem is that the rich people all celebrate the Lord's Supper uh, mm-hmm. early in the day, right? and there's nothing left when the workers have to come in. Well, you're cursed. Like your relationships are cursed right. because you're not caring for each other. And maybe that's, maybe it's about how do you cultivate a relationship of mutual caring and respect for yeah. one another? I don't know. I think so. I think that relational aspect is, is really important. Um, I think that's a, a key aspect of following Jesus in general is that we're called to look at each other differently. Yes. Uh, and without feeling threatened, without worrying. Um, it'd be interesting if real Christians played football, right? You know, that was, that was a low, that was a mean (laughs) statement for me to make. That was, Uh, well, I mean, we've got, we have the Super Bowl coming up uh, this Sunday. And at the end, somebody is going to say, thank you, God, because we won. Right. (laughs) Whereas, whereas you might say, Hey guys, if you really want to see where God is, go over to the other, uh, the other team. Cause they lost and blessed are those who mourn <laughs> <laughs> and still get paid crap loads yeah, of money. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine though, if they went into the game saying, I- I'm not about winning. I just want to have a good time. Right. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I want you to play well and we want to play well and we just all want to have a good time. Yeah. Hopefully nobody gets injured. I won't hit you too hard. Right. Because I care about you. Right. Yeah. Can you imagine if that were the case? Uh, people wouldn't watch. We wouldn't watch. I'm not watching anyways. Oh, good for you. Well, it's mostly just because I'm older and tired. 
and oh. I'll start watching, and then and then I'll say I should have a beer because yeah. gosh darn it, I'm watching football, and then I'll have half a beer and fall asleep. Yes, that's. I'm gonna need my afternoon, my Sunday afternoon nap. Sunday afternoon after, nap. Right after all right. that work. I mean, we only right. work one day a week. Uh, right, you just need a but nap, and day, it's not even one full day. It's like maybe four hours, and you just need a nap. Yeah, it's awesome. hard if we're not used to working all the time. Um, I know, right? <laughs> blessed are those who mourn. I read an interesting take on that. I mean, mourn. I I think there is that sense of who are grieving, who are. But I read one take on it. I don't remember who said it, but it wasn't boring. It wasn't Eugene boring. Um, But said it's not just mourning because of grief, but also mourn for the wounds of the world, mourn for the injustice of the world and and grieving for where we are currently. And I thought that's really a nice way to look at it. Uh, But they will be comforted. You know, and I think, you know, if we if we go through, we don't have to go through each one individually. We can um, but each one has for they, they will be filled. They will receive mercy. They will see God. They will be called. So you have this, um, I don't have my grammar down perfectly, but it's a future tense. Yes. Um, incomplete action um, or complete. I don't know. But anyway, it, it has a real eschatological focus to it, um, which is the other, I think if we say, if we were to say there's a couple of main things going on here. One is the relationality. Yep. That we are to see each other differently. And the other is the future focus. That we're le- headed towards something better. That God promises something more. Promises some promises hope. Yes. Uh, which is another p- key part of Matthew. Or uh, of yep. Jesus. Sorry, not just Matthew, but Jesus in general. This hope. Yes. Yes. We are living in... It's why progressive liberal Christians need to reclaim the resurrection. Hmm. Which one? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you weren't ready for that one, huh? The, the resurrection of Mithras. Of Mithras? Mithras was, was he resurrected? I think so. I they were all resurrected. I, I wasn't point. there. I don't know. I don't, yeah, right? Yes. <laughs> so tell me why you think I, – I, well, I'm, I'm probably with you, but tell me why you think liberals need to reclaim well, the resurrection. I, it is the uh, – it is the – confirmation that the eschaton is entering into the present Hmm. it is it is like it's it's like like the the reason it the reason that i resist uh this future kingdom of heaven is just don't worry about things now because when you die you're going to go to heaven and it's going to be okay that's not that to me that's not good eschatology right good eschatology says you know what the future is coming into the present now and right. so live into the future that Jesus brought here into the present, right? This is – that's what to me what resurrection is all about. Mm. It's not – it's like you – we are um, we are people of the resurrection. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's already happened. Jesus has already resurrected. Obviously, we're not resurrected. But right. but the end is coming into the present. And this is like this is the mystery of time, I guess. But it's it's also the trust of um, what the resurrection is all about. It's a it's a different way of life. It's the Beatitudes. Uh, it's beati- It's living into the Beatitudes. Mm. Yeah. So Gushy and, and Stanton, Stanton. Oh, 
what's his name? Glenn Stassen. Um, they talk about this is fulfillment of prophecy, fulfillment of the yes. prophets. Yes. Not prophecy, but fulfillment of the prophets. Because the prophets were, by and large, about two things. One is, it's going to get bad. The day of the Lord is coming. And yes. you should be afraid because you're not living well. And yes. the other is, it's going to get better. The day of the Lord is coming and it's going to be redemption. And you should be ready to rejoice. Uh, and, you know, and, and in this, we have the sense of it's going to get better. Yes. Uh, and, and so Jesus is taking a very, very real way part of the message of the prophets and bringing it to fulfillment, which we find elsewhere in Matthew. I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets. Yes. That's a major part. And, and, and I think, yeah, we, we wrestle with that tension of saying, so we just need to, you know, be poor now. I know it hurts now, but don't worry, you'll be okay. Or to say, we're going to participate in the coming of the kingdom. Yes. Or domain or whatever. Um, yes. It, which I think, so the idea of meek, you know, blessed are the meek and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness kind of speak to that. Because the meek are those who really look at the relationship with God and are humble in that relationship. And then hunger and thirst for righteousness, um, you know, are those who are saying, I'm not okay with the way the world is with the way we're treating each other, and I'm going to say something about it. I'm going to do something yes. about it. That's the whole point of blessed are those who mourn, too. Like the yeah. Book of Lamentations is all about the world is messed up, and yeah. we need to name the messed upness of the world. And, you know, like N.T. Wright will say God's whole project is to set the world right. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's like the world is messed up. It's upside down. And here Jesus is saying things that seem – so ridiculous mm -hmm. uh, to our to our cultural values uh, that he's either just so ridiculous and crazy, yeah, or he's actually onto something and he's flipping things the way that they're supposed to be. Yeah, that's and I since we are not living into that, we should mourn that. Like you said this earlier, like our culture is not living into this and that's something to mourn. So yes, it's blessed are those who mourn, uh, because they're, I don't know, somebody that you love died or something like that. Right. Right. Uh, that's, that's a part of it, but it's also the world is messed up and that's something that we should mourn. Right. So I, you know, I, I think, you know, this, that Jesus, you know, in this passage, we're also getting, um, kind of lines drawn. Yeah. These are the people who are going to be walking with me, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemaker, for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, you know, like you said, he's not doing the woes, but we have the negative space there that he say, those of you who are victorious, those of you who are the strong, those of you who are winning at life, yeah. you're just not blessed. You're not blessed. But what a hard thing to say, right? And which is counter to uh, the ways that we use the word blessed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We right? say, I'm just blessed. I'm so, I'm blessed today. You know, and I, I love it when people, I, you know, I talk to someone, how are you doing today? Well, I'm blessed. Uh-huh. So next time I'm going to say, so are you poor or merciful? Right. <laughs> yes. How are you mourning? What yeah. are you mourning? <laughs> yeah. Tell me about your blessing and I'm sorry. And, but it's going to be okay. And yes. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. We don't we don't use it in that way. So I mean, there are so, so there are some very definitive lines that Jesus is drawing. Yes, tell me about uh, blessed are the meek as a pacifist. Mm. Where's that? Oh, 
So, Blessed are the meek, yeah. for they will inherit the earth. So, um, how, how how do you mean as a pacifist? Well, you're you're a pacifist. I try to be right, and yeah, except I for think, except for nature's creatures, right? That's yes. what, we're gonna go after that. That's totally different. I mean, if they're coming to eat my food, I will kill them so fast. But otherwise. <laughs> Yes. Is this one of the is this one of the reasons that you consider yourself a pacifist to be to be meek? Does so, it does being a pacifist does being meek mean that you need to be a doormat and just get yourself run over by not by animals but by right, people? Obviously not the animals. What is what does this mean? All right. So I, yeah, I think the peacemakers is a better argument for it. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, which if you just read a little bit further, um, I know. Right? <laughs> But the meek, I think, speaks more to a relationship with God. Oh. Uh, and, and one in which you recognize who you are in, when compared to God and, have, and, and try to have a realistic view of that relationship. Um, so if I go, if, if, if I say, I'm pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I pray every day. I read my Bible. I think when it comes to me and God, we're good. God and I are good. Yeah. That's not very meek. Okay. Um, but the one, yeah, <laughs> on the other hand, the one that says, you know, I know that God, you know, loves me, that God is, is, is with me, but God is also really freaking awesome in the truest sense of the word, mm. and I'm not, and mm. what an amazing thing is it is that God still is with me. And then I think of all the ways that I know I'm not doing my best, all the ways I've let God down, and yet God still is with me, that causes me to tremble. Wow. That's, that's a meekness in my understanding. Now, I'm going to try to look at my notes. If you, while you say something about that, I'm going to see if I wrote down something more about being meek. But I, I don't know what else to say about that. I like that a lot. I interpret it as uh, being nonviolent. So, all right, I did find it's also, it's, it's, it's comparable to being poor, being meek. Well, that's like, as you were talking, like that's, I was like, wow, all of these really do interconnect with each other because the poor in spirit was very much how I interpreted what you were talking about meekness. And I think that they're meant to be intertwined with each other. So, and and I think the nonviolence aspect, so if we bring that in or bring in the peacemakers in that, in with that as well. It, it does say, you know, it, it, it can bring this aspect of saying, I'm not going to look to dominate someone else because that's mm-hmm. a violent act. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to look to tell someone how they're wrong or how I'm better. That's a violent act. I hesitate with the pacifist stance because that, I think, lies, it starts here but goes all the way to the cross. Yeah. So, I, you know, my stance as a pacifist comes out of the example Jesus gave us when he was going all the way to the cross, you know, and when they struck him and beat him, his response was to take it and mm-hmm. not to respond with violence. Mm-hmm. You know, and they nailed him to the cross. If we really believe he's the son of God, he had the resources he needed to stop that at any moment. Or he could have gotten the crowd riled up and, you know, yep. any, but he didn't. He didn't respond to violence with violence. You know, and if I really call myself a follower of Jesus, then I have to aspire to that as well. 
Now, it complicates things when we start to talk about defending your family yes. or defending yes. others who are who are um, being persecuted, those kind of things. And that's, you know, so that that's why I, I say pacifism is a personal ethics. I wouldn't prescribe it as a social ethics um, or one of, yeah, of personal ethics. But it's, you know, I don't know if I can hold to my um, stance because my family's never been threatened. Yes. Um, but I do know if I see other people, people being threatened, I need to act in one way or another. Um, and I hope I can do it nonviolently, but also in a way that's efficacious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where the peacemaker comes in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so to me, that project is how do we, how do we solve problems before they get to a place of violence or how can we, how can we most effectively do that? You're not going to solve all the problems that lead to violence, but, but people were, well, uh, my, I was told I'm special. (laughs) No, go ahead. Uh, what was I going to say? I don't remember. Uh, (laughs) like what, um, how can, I don't, I don't know. I, I like, Oh, Oh, people off people. That's, that's the argument that people always give. Uh, well, what do you do if your family is somebody's like attacking your family? Right. Well, there are many steps before that, yeah. that we should be concerned about. Um, why is this person threatening my family? Right. That my family has never been threatened. Why are you constant? Why do you implicitly go to what happens when your family's threatened? It's like, to me, it's, it's never happened. Like, it's not like something that I am overly concerned about. It's happened to other people, obviously, right, but what right. are the social structures yes. that have led to this? What is the brokenness um, of the world that leads us to a place where this is a possibility we have to consider? Yes. Yes. Or, and are there ways that we can work with God in order to fix those things? Yeah. Where I see us really struggling, us as Christians in America yep. right now, really struggling with this is whether or not we should have armed guards at a place of worship. Yeah. Or guns in the sanctuary. And I never thought we would be have we would have to have this conversation in a real way, but we have to have the conversation in a real way. Uh, and and when I bring it up with my people, I say, I would. I don't think this is a place where we should have weapons. And, and, you know, and they say, well, what if someone comes in and starts shooting? And and that's not a hypothetical anymore. Yeah. If, am I at a place where I'm willing to give my life? Right now, I'd say yes. Am I at a place where I'm willing to ask my congregation members to give their lives? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and and then you get into the whole issues of whether having more guns there is helpful, right? Yeah, <laughs> actually keeps us safer uh, or yeah. not. Uh, I guess sometimes it might, and sometimes it might not. Right. Um, it may only escalate things and cause things right. worse things to happen. Right. Um, but yeah, the way that we dealt with it is, uh, you you throw the Bible at them <laughs> and you run. <laughs> the Bible is your weapon. Okay. You find whatever you can, try to distract them, yeah. throw something at them, There's and those just steps and to even have that conversation, right? Yes, and, and that should lead us to the point of like, well, blessed are the peacemakers. Then we really should be doing everything we can to try to fix the world yep. with God. Try to find where is God active right now, and let's go yes. where God is active and bringing about a time um, where this isn't a worry anymore. Yes, because we just haven't been listening and haven't been following God and. Um, and I believe it's on us that, you know, society is 
gotten to this place where this is a worry. Yes. Um, what we've done in our congregation is, you know, those kitty gates that keep kids from falling down the stairs. Uh-huh. Yeah, we put those up. And we figure that'll be enough. <laughs> okay. After good. The, when the service starts, we put them up because anyone, uh-huh. they're like, I mean, everyone fumbles like, how do I open this? And how do I get? And that'll be enough. That'll they're give just, us enough so time. It's a huge distraction. Yeah. Nicely yeah. done. And if it's really like bad, it. we have them in all the pews since we can actually put them up in all the pews too. So they just, everyone's like, yeah, no one can get anywhere anymore. It, it works. It works. Brilliant. Yeah. Thanks. Brilliant. Kitty gates. I like it. Kitty yes, gates. Yes, it's good. Different kinds, uh, kinds with magnets. <laughs> Kinds that just latch on, you know, uh-huh. to, you know, it, kinds that you have to pull up and t- pull over. Yes. So it's good. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, can I continue <laughs> with the different, with the kitty please, gates? Please do. Yes. It's I yes. I give you permission. No, I think that's good. That's I think I've good. done enough. I yes, think I've said good. enough about kitty gates. Um, blessed I, are the pure in heart for they will see God. I don't know if I've ever seen God. My heart is just. You have what, God what tattooed you on that? your arm. I, well, yeah, but I'm not, that's, that's an impurity because Leviticus 22 yeah, or whatever it says, you should not get ink on your arm. What is that? How do you be pure in heart? What does that even mean? I think the, uh, well, like I know, I don't know. <laughs> you have to do a fast. You have to you, first do a cleanse. You have a war on beavers, so yeah. you're clearly not pure in heart. So <laughs> it's, I think this is, that's a relational thing as well, a relationality. I, I think a lot of this is relationality and, and yeah. you know, relationality with God and with others. And what's our focus? You know, where are we, what are we hoping to accomplish in life? You know, you love books. I can tell. I have a few of them. Yeah. I've actually only read four of those. Yeah. Well, then. you know, but it still looks good, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, and um, I also love books and, you know, I have them in, in my office. They're nicely categorized and organized and I like the way they look. Nice. Right. And yes. And a part of me has this desire to get more books. Um, and if I can get a set of books like the um, early church fathers, that's a nice yes. looking set. Yes. Right. That looks good on the shelf. Yes. You know, the books in themselves are not bad. They're really helpful in illuminating aspects of our faith, you mm-hmm. know, and bringing us into a deeper conversation. But when I start getting books for the sake of, boy, that will look really good on the shelf, I think I'm losing the focus. Is that a sign that you are not pure in heart? I think so. Yeah. And that was, I used, I picked something that's pretty trivial. That's really yes, not a big deal. But uh, when churches start focusing on, if we just had the biggest cross, that'll get people to come. Or if we have something that we can brag about. Yes. Or if we have the color of the carpet oh. is so important that we need to debate this. It is important, though. It's so important. What color of carpet do you have? Um, red with orange swirls. Oh. No, wow. no, it's just red. Okay, good. Could you imagine if it was red with orange swirls every day? Every I was like, like, wow. I can't even look at the floor. It's yes. so weird. Why? Very, very Pentecostal. You must have gotten that during Pentecost. We bought our something. church from an Assembly of God congregation. Nice. I like it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There are some <laughs> burn awesome. marks scattered throughout the sanctuary, too, but we're, we're fine with that. Uh, Jesus ups the ante, and he says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Yeah. I mean— I have no idea what to do with that other than other than this, like uh, 
you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Jesus was persecuted for the kingdom of God. Right. Uh, the prophets were persecuted. Uh, you're doing, maybe you're doing something right when you're persecuted, although yeah. this is so dangerous because yeah. there are so many Christians in the United States, this is going to sound really judgmental of me, who have a persecution complex. That was really judgmental, man. And it's it's like the way the reason that I say that is because the response tends to not be the response tends to be uh, resentment and we're going to get you back because you've persecuted us. Right. So you lose the meek in heart. Or the pure yeah. heart, you lose the meekness. He's like, I'm persecuted, so now I know I'm right and I'm going to win. Yes, and I want to be very careful with this because yeah. it's like you're threatening my right as a Christian. Yes, yes. And and there are – it is important. Like there are people who have rights that are being threatened. And so that's why I want to be very careful in saying this. Mm-hmm. But as as a Christian, it's like I'm, I have a privileged place. <laughs> Right. Well, there's a there's a movement amongst some evangelicals that say we've got it. We're losing our religious liberty. Yes. And I would say, no, no, you're not. Just um, just bake the damn cake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and don't be resentful about it. I don't know. I mean, this is like that's my judgmentalism. I coming, know. I know. And but right? to say but, so to force me to make a cake for a gay couple, I'm being persecuted. How dare people? And that's not, I mean, I think this was, this is in there. I think this is when I look at like, who was the community that Matthew was writing to at the time. Yes. And and I think it's safe to say it was a community that was being persecuted, that were losing their homes, their livelihood and their lives because of their faith. Mm -hmm. And, and this is an assurance to them. It's like when you're, because it's also mentioned twice. I mean, really it starts cursing you for righteousness and then. And then right again, when you people revile you and persecute you and other all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. So this is big that it's mentioned twice. And so something must have been happening with that early Christian community. Now, we know one of the things that was happening amongst in the Jews, they, they brought in this kind of benediction that you had to swear that you weren't a follower of Jesus. Uh, and if you didn't do that, you were kicked out. Uh, Which means you yeah. lose identity, you lose community, you lose your neighbors, you lose your family, um, you lose who you are. Yeah. You know, and, and go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and you just had the persecution of Nero or Nero's yeah. persecution <laughs> but around the time that Matthew was written, maybe yep. a decade later. Right. And right. so you're getting political persecution, threats of it anyway, or this just recently happened. And what are we going to do with uh, when we are aliens or right. uh, when people are coming after us? Jesus says, us and uttering yeah. evil falsely on Jesus account. Yeah. And Jesus says, it's interesting because he says, blessed are the peacemakers. But in a little bit, I think Jesus is going to say, I did not come to bring peace, but the sword. Right. And this is not like, like a literal sword. We're going to go out and kill the guys. It's the sword of division. Like even your family members may turn against you because this kingdom way of life is going to separate people from one another. Right, right. Yeah, so I think that I think it, it was hard to be Christian then. I think it's still hard to be Christian. I mean, if you take it seriously. Oh, yes. Yeah, I think a lot of people in the United States, at least, claim the label of Christian, 
but don't take it seriously. Yes. And this whole persecution thing is uh, it belittles the actual persecutions that are happening right. in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah go I to was Egypt at, and, and call yourself a Christian there and see how you're received. Well, I was I was at a conference and there happened to be a man from a pastor from Africa who came mm-hmm. to the conference. And it was a it was a it was, the conference was called Theology and Peace. Oh, <laughs> and, nice. and we were talking about, you know, how to be peaceful with one another and stuff. And he said, listen, there are there are people coming into my country who are threatening to kill us mm. because we're Christians. Yeah. And it, they happen to be Muslims who were coming into his country and doing this. Right. Uh, right. And. He was like, you're telling me to not try to protect myself and my family when when this is happening. Like, that's real persecution. It is. Right. And, you know, to flip it, uh, Muslims are being persecuted in China right now. Oh, yeah. Horrible. You know? Yes. Yeah. And, so And Burma. Yes. Yeah. So um, this whole persecution thing, it's just like, um, I don't know what to do about it. Like. Uh, it distracts us from the real persecutions, like the persecution complex distracts yeah. us from the real persecutions that are happening in the world. Right, right. Now, I, I wouldn't – I will say that there are forms of persecution, cultural and societal persecutions that are happening in the United States that are insidious and easy to miss. Yes. Um, you know, I've, one, in one case would be um, it's not a big deal to have sports practices on Sundays. Yeah. What are you going to miss? It's not that important. Yeah. Now these aren't overt persecutions. This is not it's nowhere near the kind of persecutions that others are facing elsewhere. Yes. But this is yeah. more of like a slowly wearing down people from a sense of commitment to Christ. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Last week my son had basketball games uh, Sunday morning. So, yeah, it's just it's You called it sick? That I I get one Sunday off a month. <laughs> so, oh, that's pretty good. So that yeah, was it. Right? One Sunday it. off, that and you had to Sunday. go watch a bunch of kids play basketball. Oh, it was awful. It was horrible. <laughs> yes. Did did his team win? Uh, Saturday they lost both games. Sunday they won both games. Well, blessed so, are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Those, yes, yes, that's it. So. Um, and in fact, when they won, you should have said, <laughs> "How dare you?" Yes, you, you need, are cursed. You are cursed. You need to lose. <laughs> How can I be a Christian if you're winning all the time? Oh, uh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> Your winningness is making it hard on my face. Oh, that's awesome. They're about five hundred, so I've, he's he's doing okay. He's, yes, right. I don't. What does that mean? They're about five hundred. Like, uh, they've they've they're they've they're about fifty percent. Oh, okay. That yes. was a sports reference, and I, I completely missed it. Yes, that's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, fifty so percent. Uh, that's an F. That's they're failing. That's, that's good. Yeah, right? They're they're just kind of in the middle of being blessed. You know, know, kind of blessed, kind of not. It's okay. I, here's some here's some parenting advice. Not oh, for not for you because I know you you're good, but for others out <laughs> there that are that are parents or thinking about being parents, do everything you can to keep your kids as mediocre as possible. I uh, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The yes. worst thing is you can have is a bright, talented child cuz then you've got to take them to things and encourage them to go extra and thinking about big schools. And, you know, if you have a kid that's just in the middle of the bell curve and maybe a little bit lower, life will be so much easier for you. That's, it's, that's it's just C's. Somebody, yeah. yeah C's, C's make life so a easy. A C student is a non-anxious student. 
right? There you go. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. That's some free parenting advice from your 12 and up podcast. You're welcome, America. Brilliant. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're good. I think. It's fantastic. Yeah. I, I want to tell folks, you know, this, this, even just this little section, Matthew 5, 1 through 12, there is so much good stuff written about it. And, and Adam and I are just scratching the surface, just kind of musing and thinking about it. And we can't, uh, it, there's so much good stuff that for us to say, like, how are we going to offer something different? That's audacious. We're, what, we'll do, what we've done is just kind of offered some of the stuff we've read. But go read some more about it. Yes, go read more about it. I'm, I'm interested in this. In your research on this um, and the Sermon on the Mount in general, Yeah. Uh, are there people who say that Jesus was not serious? No, I haven't seen that at all. Like, um, especially with the nonviolent stuff at the end about loving your enemies. And there's, there has been kind of a, um, an ethic that, uh, Jesus wasn't serious about the here and now, uh, living into the sermon on the Mount. I can't, who says that? I can't remember. Okay. And I would be like, I, I think I, it, and I would, I would be grasping right. at straws sure. to say this, but I think, I think it stems from Luther. Okay. So okay. you may need to uh, edit this out. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was just reading about something like that actually this morning um, in, in uh, kingdom ethics. You were. Yeah. yeah. So there is a so, sense of, yeah, so that Jesus was talking about a time to come. Yes, and so you don't have to live into this now, especially like the nonviolent stuff. Right. Um, And so it's kind of a justification for, like, how do you get to the from the Sermon on the Mount to a just war theory? Right. That's in you know that that speaks to the evolution of doctrine. Yeah. Um, I don't think Christian Christianity was meant to be a dominant cultural force. Yes. I think it was always meant to be a subversive minority presence until that time when, when Jesus returns and the whole creation is restored and brought to its fullness. So when, when Christianity, in line with your thinking, becomes what it was not supposed to become. Thanks, Constantine. Then, then you have to create new doctrines that justify us becoming who we were not supposed to be. Right. How do we hold on to power? How do we hold on to influence? Well, then we when, better come up a way to, with a way to justify war so that the and, rulers can say, all right, I guess Christianity is still good because I can go to war and feel good about it. And then you, and then you have to wait, find a way to do that while also saying, blessed are those who are poor in spirit and blessed are the peacemakers. Yeah. Yeah. So then you start saying like, well, it isn't about now. It's the, the time will come when we'll all be peacemakers when Jesus returns. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, we're not going to put all this on Luther cause I don't know enough. Right. You know, but there are people who certainly do push that. It's always nice to know that even the greatest theologians of our tradition got yes. stuff wrong. Yes. You know, um, if anyone didn't, it was Jesus. Right. So, <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. But you also, you also get people saying, well, I am making peace by um, going to war. Yeah. That's right? a circular argument. It's a tough one. 
tough it one. Is. But. Well, I, you know, and, and the, the cliche response or um, example is always uh, World War II. Yes. You know, and, you know, folks, go read the articles that the Niebuhr brothers wrote back and forth about whether or not they should enter into war after Pearl Harbor happened. Really in, um, insightful uh, to different approaches of how to, what's a Christian response to that kind of aggression and violence. Uh, they disagreed. They, they, we can find that in a book somewhere. Yes, I can't remember. if I mean, if you just Google Niebuhr Brothers okay. justification for war, but this was in the Christian century. Oh, one wow. wrote an editorial. His brother responded saying, no, I think you're wrong. And then the first one responded again. I don't remember which one took which stand. But probably H. Richard was the one that said we should not go to war. And, yep. and Reinhold, I think, said, no, we should. It's, a pragmatic pragmatic realism or something like yes. that. But I'm sure I, I, I may have you know, flipped them sure. or something. And there's yeah. some, not, so there's like the one Niebuhr scholar out there who's having an aneurysm right, right now. Cause I, <laughs> wrong. well, there are a lot of Luther scholars out there who are having aneurysms because of what I said about Luther. Well, we didn't yes. mention his anti-Semitism, so, right? So yes. at least so, we didn't bring and, up how horribly anti-Semitic he was just right? and, awfully. We didn't say that. So they and, should be fine. Yes, and that he killed all the poor people. Yeah, yeah. we didn't mention that. We didn't either. mention that. So, so there they, you go. Yeah, they should be happy. <laughs> Luther fans, <laughs> take that, yeah. Lutherans. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> Who are you following now? <laughs> Woo. <laughs> yeah, they're all flawed. That's why I love being Baptist because we don't have one person we follow. Because um, we would have just split off of them anyways like, <laughs> in, in six months. What you do? That's, that's awesome. That's what we do. That's how we do it. Um, so, folks, read, read Matthew 5, 1 through 12, and then keep reading because the sermon continues, and it, get, it does get challenging after that, saying things like don't get divorced and you know, don't lust after people. But we're not going to talk about that because we don't want to touch on the hard stuff. Right. Don't lust after people because then you'd have to pluck out your eye. Yeah. 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 Take that literally. How about that? Right, <laughs> I know. You don't see many one-eyed Christians running around here. Not yet. Right. That sermon's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Just you wait, Adam. I'm going to preach the awesome. hell out of that passage, and like people it. will be plucking out their eyes left and right. Yes. Or just right yes. and right. I don't know which eye you pluck out. But anyway, Adam, what time is your worship service? Uh, 10, 10, 30. Are you sure? Well, it's 10.30, except for during the summer months when it's at 10. Okay. People just show up at 10. Just show up at 10. Show up at 10. Do you have stuff before church? <laughs> We've got a Bible study. Yeah, See? from 9, 9.20 to 10.10 10 or so. So you'll you'll get the last 10 minutes of Bible studies if you just church? show up at 10. You're like so unsure about time. I've only been there for two years, Jonathan. Oh, okay. So fair enough. Fair just enough. Just need the yes. <laughs> I go, maybe Adam will be there. Maybe. <laughs> or he'll be at his son's basketball game saying, right. no, foul, lose. Lose, lose the game. Yeah, be a better Christian. No, uh-huh. so 10.30 during the, during the season, 10 o'clock at, um, during the summer at the Clackamas United Church of Christ in Milwaukee, Oregon. Yes. Um, don't go wearing a Ducks shirt. No. Or paraphernalia. Adam, Adam, he will cuss you out from the pulpit. Bad news. Yeah. Yes. Uh, If you are in, so if you're in that area, and what 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 town, what major city are you? Are you a suburb of Portland? 
Suburb of Portland. Okay, yeah. Yep. So if you're in the Portland area, go to Adams Church. Say hello. Yeah, come check us out. If you're in uh, the Rhode Island area, our worship service at in East Greenwich is at 9.30 a.m. That's as early as I can do it. 9.30. Yeah. You don't change during the summer? I mean, I change, but the worship <laughs> time doesn't. I'm not a, you know, I'm not that crunchy. Come on. Okay, good. Awesome. All right, Adam, thanks a lot for being on the show. Thanks, it's Jonathan. Enjoy. And there's your episode, the conversation I had with Adam Erickson about scripture, about the Beatitudes. Um, like I said, we just scratched the surface. There's just so many books out there that, that get into it in a much more deeper way, and I encourage you to read about it. These apparently, or so I'm told, that the Beatitudes are kind of important, um, kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. So Matthew 5, 1 through 12, read them and, you know, do, do your, some research on your own. If you want to send a comment about this show or any other shows or just say hello or suggestions about the show or anything at all, you can send those to 12enough at gmail.com. And I do read all of your emails and I really appreciate uh, the ones that I get and I respond. I try to respond in a timely fashion. Um, what is a timely fashion is up for debate, but for me, it's timely. It's timely. So 12enough at gmail.com. 12 is written out. If you want to see the show notes for this show and see past shows, also blog posts and other things of that nature, that can be found at 12enough.com. And again, 12 is written out. And go to the Facebook page. Follow at Facebook where I post you know, upcoming shows and guests I'm talking to and sometimes just other things that are on my mind. Uh, and uh, you also can follow me at Twitter at Pastor Malone. That's my handle. Uh, Facebook is 12 enough. And I think that's it. Yeah. So I hope you enjoy the rest of your day or evening or wherever this is that you're listening. And thank you very much for listening. Twelve Enough is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. The music on Twelve Enough is provided by Charlie Eastman and, jo- and Andrew Malone. I almost forgot my brother's name. Your hosts were Adam Erickson, the pastor of the Clackamas United Church of Christ, and Jonathan Malone, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. The Clackamas United Church of Christ is in Oregon, Milwaukee, Oregon. Figure it out. The thoughts, ideas, opinions, ruminations, moments of brilliance, moments of just not quite getting it, moments of stumbling, moments of saying things that really were inappropriate, but Jonathan just didn't want to believe the, or other moments and non-moments, they do not reflect the hosts, churches, denominations, friends, families, faiths, towns, states, breakfasts, or anything else of that nature. These were their own ideas. This was their podcast.